The reading this morning is from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 1, beginning to read at verse 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this word that we are looking at in Ephesians chapter one. And we pray this morning that you would open our eyes more and again to what it is that you have done for us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in bringing about and confirming our salvation through Jesus, in whose name we pray, amen. Well, there's a big difference, as Sam and Jen will know, between dating and being engaged. Uh, When you are in that dating or courtship stage of a relationship, some of you are having to throw your minds back quite a long way for that, um, there is inherently a a degree of insecurity in that. Um, He or she has made these professions of their affection, but they haven't yet put their money where their mouth is. Um, And we don't yet know where the future is going. No one has made that long-term commitment yet. And yet, when a couple um, finally are engaged, when he pops the question, when the ring goes on the finger, well, then he's put his money where his mouth is. Those professions of love were sincere. And now we know, to some degree at least, where the future is going. It's going towards a wedding day and a marriage beyond that and to death as do part. And so in a healthy engagement, someone should no longer feel the insecurity and the doubt that is there in the dating relationship. But as Christians, it is possible for us to live without the security that is rightly ours, lacking assurance about the past and about the future. I've met Christians who have been absolutely confident in their salvation, oozing with joy and confidence that they really are forgiven, that they really are the children of God. And I've also spoken with Christians who have been crippled with doubt that they could really be forgiven for the things that they've done. And I've met Christians who, in the last days of their life, have been awe-inspiringly confident about where they're going, totally at peace, even looking forward to finally being with their Lord. And I've met Christians who in the last days of their life have been terribly anxious about what the next few days will hold. What's the difference between those two groups? There are sadly some human relationships in which one party deliberately tries to keep the other one insecure as a way of keeping them attentive or eager to please. It's a very ugly thing. It's emotionally abusive But that is not God's way with us. He wants us to have a deep assurance and peace about the past and about the future. He's rather like the the perfect man who holds his darling in his arms and looks into her eyes and says, I love you and I'm staying with you. I'm not going anywhere. You're mine. That's what he's like with us. And he has made that kind of security possible for us. We saw a couple of weeks ago that the Father has chosen us. Last week, that the Son has redeemed us. And what we're going to see this week is that the Spirit has 
sealed us. Uh, Look down, if you would, at verse 13. Verse 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Uh, In the year before I uh, went to uni, I worked as what's called a parliamentary researcher down in London. It's a really fun job if you're a total geek, uh, which thankfully I was. I really enjoyed it. And a large part of my job involved poring over uh, legislation and working out how new bills that were being considered would affect existing law and comparing the two. And so I would often have to go down to the resources unit in the House of Commons. It's in the basement. And you go up to the desk, and there's a bell on the desk. Ding. You wait for someone to appear from the back, uh, and they come forward and they say, well, how can I help you? And you ask for something exciting like the Health and Safety Act 1974, and they go, of course so, and they disappear into the back, and about 30 seconds later, they can come back with anything. It's astonishing, this, uh, this huge, they must have felled number of forests just to make all of these things available the whole time. And they'd come forward and they'd give you these things, you take them back to your desk. And I was often working with several of these things on the desk in front of me. Um, now, we, we may know this, I don't know how common knowledge this is, but can anyone tell me the difference between a bill and an act? Let's stick your hand up if you can confidently say the difference between... Perfect, perfect definition. So a bill is a piece of law that's being considered still. It's been proposed, but it's not been adopted as law. An act is something that is law, and we're all living underneath it. Now, it's very easy, as you've got these things on the desk, to see which is which. Because right on the front of an act, stamped very big on the front, is the royal seal. When you see the seal on the front, it is a definite sign that that act has been adopted into law. It's been sent to the queen. She's signed it off. It's received royal approval. The Holy Spirit in the Christian's life gives us the assurance, that same assurance that we really are in him. We have been adopted and we are recipients of all the blessings that we've seen over the last few weeks in verses 3 to 12, all the blessings that belong to those who are in Christ of being chosen and redeemed. Just look again at verse 13, the second half, second sentence in verse 13. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. The Spirit is a seal that marks out those who are in him, in Christ. And it is those who have heard and believed who are those who are marked in him. Look again at the first half of verse 13. And you also were included in Christ when? When you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him. It's those who hear and believe who are marked in him. Now it's possible to hear without really hearing. A couple of years ago, I went to visit an elderly lady um, over at Forward, where I used to serve. And I'm willing to share this because I'm confident that no one will be able to identify who I'm speaking of. But it was a lovely visit. I I visited her, and in the course of the conversation, we were talking about things of faith, as you'd expect when a minister goes to visit someone. But she said something. Uh, I I won't repeat what it was that she said, but she said something that made it suddenly very clear that she had never really understood the gospel. 
And I had to hold a poker face, you know, not show my surprise, but I, I was actually surprised because she'd been going to Forward for years and years, and it's not a perfect church. It's got a little bit better recently with someone's departure, but um, you, you go Sunday by Sunday, and you know the gospel is going to be clearly taught. And she will have heard it in one sense for many years, but she clearly never really heard it. How is that possible to hear without really hearing? It is possible for someone to sit in church for many years without really hearing this message of truth. I think a couple of reasons for that can be. One is that we can have a a kind of filter. And everything that we hear passes through that filter. And we only actually allow through those things that we want to hear or that conform with what we've already decided to be true. Another way that we can hear without, not, well, cannot hear by being in church, is there are churches, sadly, where you don't hear the gospel uh, as it is taught in the scriptures, the message of truth. There are lots of churches, sadly, that have taken what the Bible says, but have changed it a bit, or added to it, or just slightly twisted it. And it can be really hard to spot but it is a different gospel. Those churches might say, oh, you're saved by faith, but they'll stop there. They won't add the word alone. You're saved by faith, but you do need to be baptized. Actually, being baptized saves you. Well, you need to go to communion. You need to make confession. You need to do these good works. You need to give in that way. You see, they add things to the gospel, which we are seeing in Ephesians 1, and we'll see perhaps even more clearly in Ephesians 2, is only by Faith alone, by grace alone, is a gift of God that is given to us. But it is possible, sadly, to sit in church for many years and not really hear this message of truth. But if you have heard and understood the message of the truth of the gospel, then at that moment you were sealed in the Holy Spirit. Just to be clear, that gospel that we're talking about is is this, that we have each turned our back on the good and loving creator who made us. And we each, therefore, quite rightly deserve his punishment. If he were to have done that, none of us could cry foul. And yet, in the most astonishing move of grace, instead of punishing us, he came not to pervert the course of justice, but to receive justice for us. What an astonishing move. And that's what he did on the cross. And he rose again to defeat that most terrible consequence of our sin, death itself. So that now, just purely by faith in Jesus, all of our sins can be washed away as we turn back to him and our future with him secured. What an astonishing story. What an amazing gospel that is. If anyone hears and believes that gospel at that moment, they are sealed in him with the Holy Spirit. Hearing and believing is what it takes for someone to be saved. And it is why we as a church need to tell people the gospel with words. You probably heard that terrible quote um, that is ascribed to St. Francis of Assisi. Tell the gospel, and if necessary, use words. Have you heard that? Have people heard that? Forget it straight away. It's awful. It's not true at all. You cannot share the gospel without words. Our good lives, our actions can give credibility to the gospel, sure. 
But no one, by simply watching our lives, will ever come to understand the gospel. It is a message of truth. Literally, it is a word of truth. It is verbal. People need to hear and believe the gospel. And that is why Jesus has made it central to our mission as a church to tell people this gospel. It is the only way that the church grows. We've just grown as a church, as a bunch of Christians have have united together with this church. What are our hopes for this church in the years ahead? That more Christians will join us? Well, there could be nice things about that. But actually our ambitions are set by the Lord Jesus and they should be much higher than that. We, we want more people to hear and believe this gospel and join us because they have become Christians. That is the only way the church grows as people hear and believe the message of truth, the gospel of salvation. And at the, at the moment that any of us does that, we receive the Holy Spirit, who to be clear is not a force or a feeling, he's a person. In Ephesians chapter four, we'll see that he can be grieved by our disunity. He is the third member of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he is sent by the Father and the Son to give us assurance that we have been chosen and redeemed. Romans 8 verse 16 says, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And it's just as Jesus promised in John chapter 14 to his disciples. He said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. You see, it's just as Jesus promised us. And that's why Paul in Ephesians 1 verse 13, describes him as the promised Holy Spirit, not out of the blue in response to the promise of Jesus. The Spirit has sealed us, giving us that assurance that we are in Christ. The Holy Spirit has come to assure us of the past, what has happened, that we are chosen and redeemed, but also of the future. Look down at verse 14. The Holy Spirit is described as uh, the Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. The Spirit is like a deposit assuring us of something to come. If you're selling something and you receive a deposit, that deposit assures you of two things. It assures you, first of all, that there is more to come. If someone's paid a deposit, well, why would they do that unless their intention was to pay the full amount and receive what it is they're purchasing? It tells you that more is to come. It also tells you that they really will come back to claim that which is theirs. A few years ago, my parents downsized. It was quite a significant downsize. Um, And so they realized that they were going to have far more pictures on the walls and bits of furniture than would fit in their new house. And so they uh, got me and my siblings, I'm one of four, to come round in the preceding months um, to kind of give, us, give them an indication of what it is that we might like. And so they got some of these sticky dots. You get them in stationery shops everywhere. Um, orange, blue, green, yellow, and red dots. Now, it's one more color than we needed, but we picked a color each. And the idea was that we would go around the house uh, putting a, a dot, let's say I was the blue dot, on anything that we would quite like to claim. (laughs) 
And it was a helpful way of them gauging what we might each want. If a picture had four different colored dots on it, they knew that we were probably going to have to do rock, paper, scissors for that. Um, and if there was nothing on it and they liked it, they thought, oh, well, maybe we'll hang on to that. So I, of course, went around the house putting blue dots on everything that looked like it was worth more than 500 quid, um, which wasn't quite in the spirit of things. They looked a little bit annoyed as they peeled one off the windscreen of the car. But um, <laughs> there we go. Um, they, they opened the door on that one. Now, we, we didn't take stuff there and then. We just left the dots on. This was several months before the move. And so people visiting their house in those months would see these dots and would ask what they were for. And my parents would explain. But they were a dot, those dots were a sign that someone was coming back to claim them. And so it is here in verse 14 with the Spirit. The Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing Firstly, our inheritance, that there is more to come, more of the same, not something different. The Holy Spirit is a first installment of God's presence in our lives. And it's not something different that is our inheritance. Our inheritance is more of the same. We look forward to a day when we will be with him forever, with an undiluted experience of God's presence in our lives. He guarantees us something of the future, but also that God is coming back to claim us. Look at verse 14. The Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. Now, you might be listening to that, and if you were here last week, be thinking, hang on, a future redemption? I thought the whole point of what we saw in last week in verse 7 was that we have been redeemed, and yet Paul's talking of a future redemption. Well, in brief, the way to understand that is our redemption is both past and future. We have been redeemed from the power of sin in our lives. I no longer am a slave to sin. I no longer have to obey it. With the help of the Holy Spirit, I can live differently. And we've been redeemed from the penalty of sin because the Lord Jesus has taken it for us on the cross. And yet, in a sinful and broken world, we are still surrounded by the presence of sin. But not forever. One day God's people will be redeemed even from the presence of sin as we live in a perfect new world. And so that's why Paul speaks of a future redemption. But focus more on what he says next. Those who are God's possession. His possession. It's a wonderful thing to be described as God's possession. That's the language that was used in the Old Testament of Israel, God's people. And it's a term not of of domination, possession, but of love. Like when lovers look into each other's eyes and say, I'm yours, you're mine. It's that kind of possession. And so the seal of the Spirit assures us of the past, that we have been chosen and redeemed. And he assures us of the future as well, that we will receive our future inheritance when God comes to claim those who are his own. But here is, I think, the glaring question from these couple of verses we've looked at this morning. How do I know that I have this seal of the Spirit? A deposit's only any good if you can see it, right? How do I know that I have this seal of the Holy Spirit? When I was a a kid, I, I was taken along to church. This was the 90s, which will explain to you what I'm about to share. Uh, We sang this song, uh, God's Not Dead. Does anyone know that song? Wave a hand if you know. A few people know that song. For those of you who don't, you won't often hear me sing, but here you go, okay? It goes, 
God's not dead. No, he is alive. God's not dead. No, he is alive. God's not dead. No, he is alive. He is alive in me. And then it goes like this. Feel him in your hands, clap, clap. Feel him in your feet, stomp, stomp. Feel him in your heart, boom, boom. Feel him in your head, we, he is alive in me. Now, if you're panicking and thinking we're gonna learn that here, we're not, don't worry. And I'm about to share with you why we're not. It's a nice song. Hey, I remember it all these years later. It's encouraging for the most part, but it's perhaps a little unhelpful because did you hear the only assurance that song gives me of anything is if I feel it. And I'll be honest with you, I've never actually felt God in my hands or my feet. I guess in a metaphorical sense, I've felt him in my heart and in my head. But even so, it's not very satisfactory if the only assurance I can have is when I feel it, because sometimes we don't feel it. And so how can we be sure that we have this seal of the Spirit? This is really important for us to get our heads around, okay? Because this is the difference between those two groups that I described earlier. Those full of assurance and those cripplingly lacking it. There are both objective and subjective ways of seeing the presence and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Firstly, the objective ways. If you have heard and believed the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, that's not normal. That's a sign of the work of the Holy Spirit in you. We've seen here that we receive the Holy Spirit in a very special and particular way when we believe, but actually that's a sign that the Holy Spirit has been present and working in our lives before that point. Because we don't come to believe because we're clever, we come to believe because the Holy Spirit has been moving us to believe. And so if you do believe the true gospel, that is a sign that God, the Holy Spirit, has already been at work in you and it should give you great assurance and great comfort to know that. Here's a second objective way. If you are or have seen that you have changed over the long term to exhibit more and more of the fruits of the Holy Spirit, what are they? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If you've seen those things growing in your life, that's not normal either. That's a sign of the work of the Holy Spirit in you. It's not simply a case of are you patient or are you self-controlled? Each of us is more or less disposed to those things naturally. No, it's an issue of trajectory. It says, have I changed? And to assess that, you don't look back one week, you don't look back even a month probably, but maybe a year, five years, 10 years. Have I changed? Has God been at work in me? And often we're the worst ones to identify that. You know, you look in the mirror every day, you never see yourself change, but then you look at a photo from 10 years ago and you go, whoa, something's changed here. And sometimes we need someone else to say, you know, 10 years ago, you were very different. You were a lot more angry back then. And so we see how God has changed us over the years. You know how uh, in the morning, the birds start singing at first light, but long before the dawn actually comes, because they are now seeing what is inevitably coming their way. Well, so too with the Christian, when we see those early glimmers of the work of the Holy Spirit in us. It should give us great joy because we can see now confidently what is coming. When the Holy Spirit moves in, he never moves out. When he begins his work, he doesn't quit halfway through. And so when we see him beginning to work in us, even if we're not feeling it, that should give us great confidence 
that he has begun and will finish his work in us, that we really are in Christ. Those are things to remember when you don't feel it. But it is a sad and unsatisfactory thing, isn't it, in any relationship to never feel any closeness or intimacy or affection or when such things have become just a distant memory. And that's not what God wants for us. He wants us to know and experience and participate now in a relationship with him. And so what are these subjective signs of the presence and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Well, here are a few. Have you ever known your heart being warmed as you have heard the gospel, either in the scriptures or in them being preached? Have you ever, as you've listened to the words of a song that contains and shares the gospel, have you ever felt your spirit just being stirred by that wonderfully? Have you ever, in a, in a time of prayer, just in a, in a particular way, known God's presence and his closeness to you? Have you ever, when reading the Bible, had that experience of a, a verse or a passage just hitting you in such a powerful way that it's as though it was written just for you? And you know in that moment that God is speaking to you. Have you ever, in a time of sadness or stress, just known a great sense of peace and calm that surprises you, that you can't quite explain in any other way other than that that it's God. Those are all subjective signs of the work and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Those are subjective, they're felt, they're not always there. Don't panic if they're not, but they can be. And it's wonderful when they are. Sometimes they're absent for a whole season. Just in any relationship, anyone who's been married for any time at all will tell you that you go through seasons of closeness and seasons that are different. But they are possible. Now, as you hear me describe those two experiences, both the objective and the subjective, there could be some here who actually find that quite a disturbing thing to hear. Because you hear that and you think actually I both now and in the past can't remember ever having experienced either objectively or subjectively the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. And if that's you, I say this very cautiously, but I say it because I've met ladies like that one I mentioned earlier who have been in church for years but never really understood or believed the gospel. I say if that's the case for you, then Consider honestly, carefully, whether you have heard and believed the message of truth, the gospel of salvation. And don't be afraid of that conclusion. There's a story of a preacher a long time ago who in the middle of his sermon, as he was preaching it, became convinced of the things he was saying and came to faith through his own sermon. He converted himself. If you're not actually sure of of these things, then being clear on that is a wonderful thing because it enables you to respond by listening afresh and putting your trust in the Lord Jesus. If, If that's you or if you're even just kind of a little uneasy and wondering whether maybe that's me, come and talk to me afterwards or another time 
And the door of the vicarage is always open metaphorically and you're very welcome and we can talk about that together. Don't be discouraged by that. I say all that very carefully because these verses are designed to give assurance to the Christian. But I think it's important that we consider the other side of the coin as well. And so if that's you, uh, be real about that and know that it doesn't have to remain like that. But there may be others here who say, yes, no, I see the objective signs of the Holy Spirit in my life. I really have believed. I have maybe over time seen God changing me by his spirit. But that subjective feeling, experience of the work of the Holy Spirit in my life, I, I don't recognize that. Or, or that's, that's been a long, a long time missing in my experience. And to say um, to that person, and sometimes that's me, Sometimes it may, be, it may be that we are holding God at arm's length and not availing ourselves of the ways that we can enjoy and experience a relationship with him now. A bit like the husband who holds his wife at arm's length. Every time she tries to start a conversation, he just grunts. Every time she says, should we, should we go for a walk? Should we do something together? Hmm. Well, of course, over time, over years, that relationship will feel increasingly distant and if that's the case let me encourage you to take advantage of those opportunities God has given us for us to experience a relationship with him now those ways that the Holy Spirit works are you reading your Bible regularly not as a tick box yes I've done that I can feel smug about it for for a day but as a, a Lord please would you speak to me through this book would you let me hear whatever it is you have to say to me do you pray to him not just as we were thinking last week when you need a parking space, or not just with your shopping list of prayers, but do you pray to him as you would a darling, someone you love, about what's on your heart? Do you come to church regularly? Hey, I'm preaching to the choir here, but do you come you know, every week that you can? This is a way in which we can put ourselves under the ministry of the Holy Spirit as we hear the word taught as we encourage each other, as we sing or hear someone sing. Take advantage of those opportunities that we have. And it may be that you're saying, yes, yes, Chris, I'm doing all of those things, but I'm still not feeling it. Well, that's okay. Don't despair. Don't give up if that's the case. I seek to read the Bible and pray every day. And if I'm honest with you, sometimes, actually reasonably often, it leaves me feeling flat but that's okay because I'm going to be back here tomorrow with my Bible open and I'm going to pray again and it's going to be another opportunity for the Holy Spirit to be at work in me. Don't give up, don't despair. Pursue those things in your experience of your relationship with God. Hold on to those objective assurances, but pursue the subjective too. Pursue an intimate relationship with God now. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you those experiences of his presence and the assurance that those things bring. God wants us not just to know about our salvation, but to enjoy our relationship with him now. And the Holy Spirit has come to do that work in us, that confirming, assuring work. And his work is the difference between hearing someone recite a recipe for a cake and actually taking a bite of it for yourself. It's the difference between hearing a a physicist recite the temperature of the sun and a sunbather feeling the warmth of the sun on their face on a summer's day. In the last few weeks, we've seen 
extraordinary things, that we are the chosen children of God, that we are redeemed. And the Holy Spirit comes to confirm those truths to us and in us, that we really are united in him. Just take a moment to see how kind and beautiful and excellent that is of the Lord, not just to make these things true for us, but to care for our souls, to want us to know that deeply and to be assured and secure and at peace. How kind he is. And it is, as Paul has punctuated this chapter with so far, the end of verse 14, to the praise of his glory, to the praise of his glory that he has done that for us. You know, it's a lovely thing. I'm looking forward to seeing Jen and Sam later and seeing the, uh, the ring on Jen's finger. It's a lovely thing when you see a couple clearly in love and each one secure in the love of the other. And when I see that in a couple, particularly a, an older couple, I aspire to that in my own marriage. And it's something that we should all aspire to in our relationship with God. And it's something which can be ours through the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit is rather like an engagement ring on a lady's finger, reminding her of something past and of something future. That she has been chosen and that he will return to take her to live with him forever. Christian, you have such a token of God's love for you. The Holy Spirit. And you and I can know God's presence more as we welcome his ministry in our lives. And so know and enjoy the assurance that the Spirit brings. And know and enjoy the first installment that he is of the uninterrupted presence of God that will one day be ours. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we praise you this morning for your great love for us, not only making these things we've seen in Ephesians 1 true, that we are chosen and redeemed, but so kindly, so tenderly and lovingly coming by your Holy Spirit to persuade us, assure us, confirm in us these truths. And we pray, Father, for each of us here who have heard and believed this message of truth, that you would seal us this morning and make us aware of that seal of your Holy Spirit, assuring and confirming, us, uh, confirming in us those things. And we pray for ourselves, Father, that we would increasingly know the security and the peace that comes from being sealed uh, in him. Help us to uh, expose ourselves to more and more of those ways in which you can help us to know the ministry of the Spirit in our lives and the assurance that he brings. And help us, Father, in those moments of, of weakness, of frailty, where we feel unassured, uh, to be reminded of, by your spirit of all that you have done for us in and through the Lord Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.